Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I want to preach to you for the next little while about faith in the fire. Faith in the fire. And I'm going to preach a little bit. I'm going to teach a little bit. I've got a passage of Scripture. Just kind of, kind of work through today. But uh, I, I believe God will help us through his word if we'll allow it. Amen? Amen. Un- un- unfortunately, this is for all of us. Uh, unfortunately, when it, when it comes to challenges, when it comes to the difficulties in life, the fact of the matter is that you're either coming out of a hard time or you're in the middle of a hard time, or you're getting ready to go into a hard time. So check the dashboard of your life and kind of see where you are right now. Are you coming out? Are you in the middle? If not, you may be getting ready to go in. Here's what Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. The King James and the New King James says, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Jesus said that. Jesus isn't trying to paint you this pretty picture that, hey, once you follow him, everything's going to be perfect. He's being honest with you. He's dealing in realism here. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So I don't know what it might be for you today, but right now, I, I, I know a lot of you may be battling one fire or another in your life. Some of you may be battling a financial fire. Some of you may be walking through a health-related fire. For others of you, it could be a relational situation. It could be that your job maybe is unstable and you've been searching, or maybe you've been searching for a job out of, out of work for a while. Maybe some of you just can't figure out why things don't seem to be getting any better for you. You're doing everything that you know to do. You're doing everything that you should be doing, and yet you're still struggling. You're still having a difficulty. So what do you do when you're in the midst of the fire? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says this, these trials, whatever, whatever you're going through, that's what a trial is. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. In other words, as you endure these trials, they're going to show you the quality of your faith. Tri- trials will reveal to you the depth of your faith. It says this, it is being tested as fire. Somebody say fire. As fire tests and purifies gold, that's what fire does. It tests. It purifies. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it's not good news. That's not the news we want to hear. But when when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Here's what Peter said. Peter said these trials are going to reveal your faith. These trials are going to show you whether your faith is genuine or not. You see, church, a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. 
If your faith isn't tested, how can you ever trust it? How can you ever know what it's made of? In the Old Testament, there's a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, and he was an evil Babylonian king. And at one point, he decided that he was going to make this, he was going to fabricate this giant statue. And he told everyone in the realm, everyone in the kingdom, that they needed to come and to bow down and to worship this gold statue. And it was about 90 feet tall, the Bible says. Think about that, 30 yards straight up in the air. That's a big old statue, right? It was about nine feet wide. And he gathered everyone together and he ordered every government leader and every advisor and every judge and every magistrate to come to this dedication, if you will, where they would worship this, this idol. And so here, here, here's what it says in Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to spend some time there. So if you've got your Bible, just keep it open. If you've got a Bible app, just keep it open to Daniel chapter 3. Here's what it says in verse 4 of Daniel 3. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. And when you hear the sound of the horn and the, the flute and the zither, I have no idea what a zither is because we sure don't have one up here on this platform. A lyre or a harp or pipes or other musical instruments, when you hear the band start playing, bow to the ground. And worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden, golden statue, gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into the fire. Will be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace is what the word says there. If you read on in that, in that chapter, verses 12 through 15, you'll see that everybody is being obedient. Everybody's doing what the king said to do. Everybody is bowing down except for three teenage Hebrew boys. While everybody else was bowing, they continued to stand. They continued to be in an upright posture and position. Even though doing so, they already heard, even though by not obeying the, keys the king's decree would cause them to be thrown into the fire. Because once again, let me say it, a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Amen? So I want to talk to you for a little while about three qualities of faith that I believe you can hold on to even in the fire. The first is this, faith obeys God instead of following man. In this scriptural account, everybody, everybody was doing it, right? The masses were doing it. Everybody was bowing down, but these three Hebrew boys were standing. And the Bible says this in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. That's some hubris, isn't it? I mean, how, how confident is that? How, how certain is that? that? That's a pretty bold thing for anybody to say, much less a bunch of 14 or 15-year-old boys. Here they are. They're staring down a king, standing firm in their convictions, basically saying to the king, you know what, king? We, we don't even have to give you a reply. We don't even have to give you an answer because this isn't between us and you. This is between us and our God. And because of that, you know, we don't even have to pray about this one. 
We don't even have to call a fast about this one. We don't really even have to think about it. They didn't have to take, you know, their, their, their dramatic circumstances of life and post it on Facebook and see what everybody else thought they should do. No, they had made up their minds in advance. They had predetermined their plan, and that was, hey, we're going to obey God and not man, period. That's it. We're going to obey what the Lord says no matter what. Why? Because faith obeys God instead of following man. I think it would have been real easy for them. I mean, if we're, if we're honest today, it would be real easy for them just to kind of rationalize away their beliefs and just, just to find a way to, to compromise in the moment, you know, to make, make King Nebuchadnezzar happy and also, you know, try to make the Lord happy. I, w- I want you to think, everybody, think about this. Everybody was bowing. Those three Hebrews could have said to each other, all right, well, you know, just look down. You know, just, just kind, of, kind of halfway bow, you know. Just kind of sort of bow. Just kind of pretend that you're worshiping. We're really not going to worship, but just pretend that we're worshiping this 90-foot ridiculous statue. But in our hearts, hey, while we're, while we're just kind of putting our heads down, we can be singing, great are you, Lord. Right? That's it. That's all you're getting. We, we believe in one true God, but, you know, we can fake it. We can fake it for just a little bit. We can set our beliefs aside for just a minute. Or they could have said, you know what, you know, just worship the idol. Let's just go ahead and do it. Everybody else is doing it. So let's just go ahead and do it. And and tomorrow we'll wake up feeling a lot of guilt. And then we'll do what we've done before. And we'll just ask God to forgive us. How many times have we done that? Or maybe, maybe they could have said, you know what, It's, it's just rational thought. If we bow, if we don't bow down, then we're dead. If we don't do what the king said, then we're going to die. And if we're dead, then who will be left to tell all these people that Jehovah is the one true God? So God really needs to stay alive, so let's go ahead and bow, right? Let's just compromise this one time. But you can read it for yourself. They didn't do that because they had predetermined their response, and that was, we're going to honor God. We're going to obey God, and we will not follow what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter if it's the majority, if it doesn't matter if we're just three of us. It doesn't matter if I'm just one. Faith obeys God. Listen, I promise you, if you're truly trying to follow after God's call on your life, the enemy is going to give you ample opportunity to compromise what you know to be true and what you believe God's purpose for your life to be. But hear me today. You don't have to listen to the voice of the enemy. You don't have to travel down that road of compromise. Instead, you can keep your faith focused on an audience of one. It's not about everybody else. It's not about the leaders of the day. It's about you and your God. Praise God. Listen, faith in the fire doesn't listen to the comments of the consensus. It obeys God and him alone. The second thing that I want you to catch today is that faith obeys in spite of what it sees. Faith obeys in spite of what's right in front of it. 
Look at Daniel 3.17. Here's the three Hebrew boys, and they're speaking to the king, and here's what they said to him. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is what? He is able to save us. Not only is he able, they expounded and went a little bit further. They said, and he will. Somebody say, he will. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. (laughs) Got a little bit bossy there. In other words, they were telling the king, no matter what we see, no matter what's in front of us, no matter what everybody else is doing, we believe that not only is our God all-powerful, but did you get the second part of what we just read in verse number 17? They said, but we also believe that our God is willing. Not only is he able, but we believe our God is willing to save us. And can I just say that there is a big difference between having faith that God is able to do something in our lives and believing that God wants to do something in our lives. So church, no matter what the circumstances look like in your world, maybe you left the doctor's office with a diagnosis that has absolutely rocked your world. So what do you do now? Well, listen, I'll tell you what you do first. You trust God. Then the second thing that you do is that your faith needs to rise in those situations. And you need to believe with everything within you that not only is your God able, but you need to believe that your God is willing to heal you. That it's his desire, his good pleasure to heal your body. Amen. I'm telling you what we need to do. Now listen, what he actually does... That's up to him. He's sovereign. Does anybody know what that means? He's sovereign. We don't control him. We don't dictate to him what he does. He's a sovereign God. What he does is actually up to him. That, but listen, what he has called us to do is he's called us to believe. He's called us to pray prayers of faith. So maybe you're looking at your bank account and it's getting pretty low. So what do you do? Maybe you need to have a yard sale. Maybe you need to sell some things on Marketplace. Maybe you need to cancel your cable account. Get a budget and live within your means. Second, you need to get a job. Any job, even if it's not your ideal job, get a job. And then third, you need to believe with everything within you that my God is able and my God is going to be my provider. Come on, what's his name today? Does anybody know him as Jehovah Jireh? Does anybody know him as Jehovah, my provider? Come on, I believe when you do what you can do that God will step up and he'll take care of the rest. He can take your meager efforts and bless them. He can take what you do and he can begin to bless it and multiply it and stretch it to meet the need. Oh, he's Jehovah. He's still Jehovah Jireh today. It doesn't matter what's happening with gas prices or inflation. He's still Jehovah Jireh and he will provide. Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Oh, I believe it, and I hope you do too. 
Maybe you've got a relationship that's absolutely falling apart. So what do you need to do? What, what does your faith do? Listen, our faith has to grow and say, you know what, I believe my God is able. And I believe my God is willing to restore. This relationship has been fractured, but God can restore this relationship. Hear me, church. God is not confined to the things that we see. There is a realm that he lives and works and operates in outside of the physical. And he is not bound by what we can see. And let me remind you what the word of God says. It says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is a God who who is able to do exceeding and abundantly more than you could ever dare to think about or even still ask him for. And so since we serve a God like that, why would we doubt him? Listen, our faith says that God is with us and our faith believes no matter what we see. But make no mistake about it. The things that God put in your heart to believe for. Listen, God, God's ways are different than our ways, and so God's probably going to take you on a path that's unlike what you think it's going to be. Come on, you think, hey, I'm going from point A to A, A to B, you know, but he's going to zig and zag. He's going to take you on some scenic routes and some detours. It's usually not going to work out the way that you think that he's going to work it out, but listen, that's what makes him God and not us. Because he knows better. Because he sees the end from the beginning. Because he's the alpha and the omega. Because he's the first and the last. Because he existed before we ever did. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. But that, that, that really leads us to the, to the hardest question in all of this today. What if God, what if God doesn't do what you're believing for him to do? What, what if he doesn't answer that prayer? What, what if what you're believing God to do, he doesn't do? What, what if you're believing God to heal someone and he doesn't? Well, what if you're believing God to bring your son or daughter back into relationship and, and they just seem to be getting stuck further into addiction or their, their rebellion against God just seems to be worshiping? What, what worsening? What do you, what do you do then? Well, that brings me to my final point. Point number three, faithful obedience is our responsibility. But the outcome, that's God's. Faithful obedience, that's our, that's our part. But the outcome, that's not up to you. That's not up to me. That's up to God's. That, that's God's arena. That's God's area that he operates in. That's God's responsibility. Listen, this is so key in our walk with God. If you can just get this down deep today, it's going to free you up of a whole lot of worry and consternation because, listen, God, God gives us some instruction in his word, and that's really all we're responsible for. If you'll pray, then I'll do this, right? So, so many times we're worrying about, well, how are you going to do this? And when are you going to do this? And why aren't you doing it? No, he just said, if you'll pray. So, we need to focus on our part and leave the outcome to God. Leave the rest to God. Amen. We need to live out what God has called us to do. That is our job, but that is where our job ends. What God does after that, that's where his job begins. 
Our job, church, is just to be obedient. Our job is just to be faithful. And then how he decides to work it out, that's entirely up to him because once again, he is God all by himself. Look at Daniel 3, verse 18. I want you to remember these these three boys, they're staring down a king, if you will, standing up to a king. And and they've already said, we believe that our God is able. And not only is he able, but we believe that he's willing. And and then then what do they say in verse 18? Here here it goes. But even if he, but even if he doesn't, that's faith, isn't it? That may not be what the face of faith that we always think about, but that's faith. But even if he doesn't, we believe that our God will save us. We believe our God wants to save us. But if his plan is different than that, but in his sovereignty, he decides not to do that. We believe even if he doesn't, then we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods. We will never worship the golden statue you have set up. In other words, they were saying, we're going to do what is right before God, and we're going to trust him with the outcome. We're, we're going to be true to our beliefs. We're going to be true to our convictions. We're going to be true to the principles of the word of God. And we're going to leave the rest up to him. Oh, I know it's super easy for us to listen to this story today and say, well, of course they could be that bold. And, and of course they could be that brave because we, we know how the story ends. And, and they're going to be rescued. And then they're not going to get burned up in the fire. But listen, church, we live several thousand years removed from this actual occurrence. In reality, in this account, in real time, there were three young boys who were facing a really hot oven. They were about to be toast. They didn't know what God was going to do at that point. Yet their faith was strong. Yet their faith was unwavering because they knew intimately the goodness and the power and the heart of God. That's why they were able to stand and confront that king. And so church, in response to their rebellion, what did the king do? For the first time, King Nebuchadnezzar, he ordered that that furnace be stoked seven times hotter than normal. Crank up the heat, boys. He ordered the soldiers to get them, to apprehend them, to kill them by binding their hands and throwing them into the furnace. And listen, the furnace was so hot, the Bible actually describes that as the soldiers were throwing the boys into the furnace, that the soldiers themselves died instantly. That's how hot the fire was. And so seemingly they got thrown to their death into the fiery furnace. But God, look at verse 24, verse 25 in Daniel chapter 3. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast in three men bound and in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. And then he spoke up again and said, look. He answered, I see four men loose walking around 
in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Oh, that's powerful right there. But I want you to bear something in mind today. This isn't the New Testament that I'm reading from. This isn't the book of Acts. This isn't Ephesians or Philippians. This is the book of Daniel. This is in the Old Testament that we're seeing a manifestation of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear me out. God will show you his power in all different kind of ways through the course of your life. But here's what I believe today, that you will know his presence best when you find yourself in the midst of the fire. His presence will be more real in the midst of the fire. His presence will be more close in the middle of the trial. Come on, some of you need to hear that today. Some of you need to take a hold of that today. Nebuchadnezzar declared, we threw three boys in bound, and now we see four men loosed. And the word of God says that they were unharmed. Their skin wasn't singed. Their robes weren't burned. It goes on to say they didn't even smell like smoke. Praise God. When God brings you out, you're not going to have that residue of what you've been through on you. He's that kind of He has that kind of power. Oh, hallelujah, you need to have faith in the fire. Come on, what you're walking through right now, it's not going to taint the rest of your life. It's not going to hang on you and cling on you. You're coming out in Jesus' name. He's going to bring you through. Oh, somebody worship the Lord right now. Somebody praise God for it right now. Oh, hallelujah. They weren't harmed, they weren't burned, they weren't singed, they didn't even smell like smoke. But there was actually something that did burn. And I need for some of you to hear this today. There, there was something that did burn. The Bible says that they threw three men in bound, but then they saw them as four men loosed. The counselors and the king looked in. I know, I know what we did. I saw you get the ropes out. I saw you get their hands. I, I saw you wrap them, and I saw you time. I know you sent them in there bound, but now they looked in, and they saw four men unbound, loosed in the fire. You see, church, the fire burned and destroyed the things that bound them. The trial burned away what restricted them and limited them. You may be asking, why does this matter? And maybe this is just a little good preaching point here. Why is this relevant? Listen, I'll tell you why. Because some of you are in the middle of a fire right now or you're getting ready to go in a fire. And some of you, you might be facing a fire that is big and other, you're facing a fire that is small and maybe you're beginning to beg God, get me out of this fire. Get me, relieve me of this suffering. And you're begging God to end end this season of difficulty in your life, to end this season of hurt, to end this season of trial. But can I just propose to you today that the very thing that you want God to remove from you may be the very mechanism that God's going to use to set you free. 
Come on, the very thing that you are begging God to take away and to remove may be what God uses to take you to the next level. It may be what it takes to bring about that fresh anointing in your life. It may be what God uses to liberate you once and for all. Oh, don't minimize the presence, what the presence of God in the circumstances of your hurt will accomplish. Don't don't minimize what God can do in the midst of your fiery trial. God will use all things. Remember what the Word of God says? He makes all things, all things work together for the good of those who love Him. That means even the trial. That means even the fire. That means even the furnace. Even the tribulation, even the trouble that comes your way, he takes it and somehow he uses it. He extracts good from it. He makes it work for your good. Let's look at verse 28, and as we do, would you stand with me? We're going to conclude with this. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to pay attention to who's speaking here. This is not Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. This is is the king. Nebuchadnezzar, after he saw what happened with those three boys in the fiery furnace, here's what he said. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, church, when God shows up in the midst of your hurt, the world is going to look on and take notice. And then they'll have no choice but to glorify your God. How how do they make it through this? How do they come through unscathed? How do they come out the other side still alive? And not only still alive, but better and blessed because of that. Listen, they're going to see you. They're going to see your life. They're going to see the evidence of your faith. But they're going to glorify your God. They're going to say, praise be to the God of, of Jim. We know that he used to be addicted, but now he's freed. Now he's loose. Now he's delivered. Praise be to the God of Janet who stood by her husband even when she didn't have to. And now God has made their marriage better than it ever was before. Or praise be the God of the Smith family who began to honor God with their finances. Now look at the blessings of God upon them. Listen, church, when you stand in the midst of a battle, people are going to look on. When you stand in the middle of the fire, people are going to watch and observe, and they will see you. But it will bring them to honor God. Let's look at the rest of that verse, if we could put it on the screen. Verse 28, praise to the God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. And they defied the king's command. Listen, and they were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Church, when your faith is tested, that's when you can get to the point that you know your faith can be trusted. There's a purpose in the fire. There's a purpose in the trial. There's a purpose in the difficulty. God's going to bring, he's going to refine you. He's going to refine your faith. He's going to burn away the things that don't belong. He's going to burn away the things that aren't important. He's going to burn away the things that are holding you back. There's a purpose.
Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, TLCDallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.